But we're going to talk about righteous or uncontrolled carnal anger. And uh, I often hear, and uh, we'll talk at times, and people will say, Hey, um, you know, I believe I had some righteous anger. And, and they'll kind of describe it. And it's like, okay, that's interesting. And uh, we're going to look at, from a scriptural standpoint, when is anger appropriate and when isn't it appropriate? And uh, again, 100% Bible. You can agree to disagree. Hopefully, if it's Bible, we'll all agree by the end of the hour or end of the 35 minutes we'll spend together. But uh, this is a huge issue in our culture. So we're going to pray and... Uh, Everything that we're going to touch on is in the handout. We're going to go through some of the statistical information as well, which I think is always helpful because when we understand where is our culture at, where is society at, where is the, if you will, and I lose the term loosely, where's the church at? Not just meaning Union Grove Baptist Church, but what I like to call the church universal or the body of Christ. Where are we at with things of this nature, especially in a society that's gone crazy. All right, let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for what uh, we had this morning. Thanks for those that uh, braved the rain and the storm and were able to be here this morning. For the many that are traveling the next few weeks, pray that you'd watch over them. Uh, Keep them safe, please. And uh, we look forward to uh, them being back in the next couple of weeks as we get back in uh, to the major time of schooling and a little bit less vacationing. So, Lord, uh, be at the folks, Lord, as they get some rest and relaxation as we gear up for what's to come in this last quarter. So, Father, I pray now that as we open up the, the precious Word of God, as we look at things that are taking place around our country, uh, specifically the anger and the hatred and things that are taking place that we see almost on a daily basis, I pray that you'd uh, move in our hearts, Lord. Help us to walk as children of light, not as children of darkness. And we'll give the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to get to the Scripture in a little bit. But I want to go through some of these things that I've given you in the handout. Talk about what is taking place again in our culture. Now, when we look at the Christian community as such, the statistics hopefully are much, much lower than we look at things on a general basis when it comes to, if you will, society in general. Uh, But we're going to go to a a couple of different things. So we're going to start out with, and if you look at the top, six Milwaukee County women were killed in a two-week period, and all were victims of domestic violence, and this came out July 25th of 2022. There's a very recent uh, occurrence that took place. Now, you say, well, why does that affect us? Why is that important? Well, it's important because that is the trend that we're seeing taking place across the country. Violence is always a problem, but it's been on the rise. What are the things that are leading to that? Why are people so angry to the point of killing someone? Now, folks, uh, when you look at the homicides that are taking place, specifically in urban areas, we're seeing Kenosha, uh, uh, Milwaukee, the the rates have just keep going up, and we're seeing higher and higher rates of murder taking place in urban areas. Why are we seeing this rise of violence 
in our communities, and it's a problem. So I want to go to a couple of statistics, and uh, I've given you some. Again, now, these are secular sources. So when you look at this, they're, uh, I mean, secular sources have no skin in the game, if you will, to try and hide things. It's just this is what it is. It's just a statistic uh, to these people. Now, what I want us to do, which I always like to do when I get into statistical information, is before we get into the actual numbers, to think about what a number represents. Every time we look at a number, a statistical number, don't get caught up on, oh yeah, well, 10,000 people died last month, who cares? Uh, 150 people were murdered in Milwaukee last year. Yeah, okay, that's a lot of people, whatever, let's go have lunch. All right, when we think about it, and this is from a Christian standpoint, when we think about the violence, when we think about the horrific things taking place, keep in mind that every single statistic, every single number represents a human being. Now, if we mention, as I did this morning, that someone, a, a brother of one of our of one of our attendees passed away. It's like, okay, I didn't know him, so it, it may not hurt you emotionally. Let's just put it that way. But you'll think about it. It's like, okay, I feel sorry for Doug and his family, but it doesn't directly impact you. What happens when it's somebody that you love dearly and care about? All of a sudden, that number becomes, it's not a number anymore, but a what? A name. So as we go through these thousands of incidents that we're going to be looking at, every one of those individual, every one of those numbers is an individual, and an individual, by the way, for whom Christ died. All right, so let's look at this. This is from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Again, a secular organization, but uh, the reporting is probably going to be at least somewhat accurate as best they can do. First bullet, on average, 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. During one year, this equates to more than 10 million women and men. By the way, there are violent ladies, believe it or not, and uh, they, do, uh, they will impart violence on their intimate partner. Now, why do they use the word intimate partner? Well, because in secular society... Uh, marriage is not always the case. In fact, in many cases, it's rarely the case. So when we're talking about an intimate partner, it's somebody that they live with. Uh, not, ne not necessarily married, but they could be married, but many cases not. But listen to that. Ten million people. Do you know, uh, let's see if anybody knows the number. How many rough number people live in the United States of America? Okay, 330 million. That's pretty close. And what? Increasing by a million a day. Increasing by a million a day. All right. Uh, so, yeah, so we're looking at 330 million. 350 million is the number of I've also seen. So it's somewhere in there. And, of course, censuses aren't as good as they used to be, and most people lie on them, so who knows what the actual one is. But it's pretty close. All right, so when you look at 330 million people a day and you've got 10 million individuals in their homes that are suffering violence. That's just the ones that have reported it. Now, let's get practical for a minute. 
out of all the people in Union Grove, Kansasville, Franksville, Racine, Kenosha, Milwaukee, and all the suburbs that go along with those various counters, counties, how many people are suffering through things like we're seeing right here? Now, we could really get close to home and say, well, how many families in the church, the body of Christ, are going through what we just read here? And nobody's going to, and don't, but uh, nobody's going to raise their hand and say, yeah, we, man, last night was a Donnybrook at our home. I mean, that's, you just don't say that, right? It's like, that's closed door discussions or something that uh, you get a call from someone that says, hey, we need to talk to you in private. So it's not something we advertise. So most domestic violence issues, except in rare exceptions, um, a lot of that is kept quiet. So we're looking at 10 million reported cases. That's huge. Now let me say this, and of course I haven't been in the sheriff's office for 30-some years. Here's the law. And uh, I, I like to give this little tidbit because this will get you in a whole lot of trouble real quick. So mommy and daddy are having a bad day. And mom or dad does some kind of physical mark on the other person. Your children or a child says, is scared to death, they're crying, they're screaming, it's like stop, 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 and all of a sudden mom falls down on the floor, uh, she says ow, or dad gets hit over the head with a frying pan, whatever it is, and what does a child do? They don't think that's real funny. So they grab their cell phone or your phone and they hit 911. What's the next thing? You know, they're crying on the phone. The, the dispatcher hears what's going on. No, oh, mommy's killing daddy. Daddy's killing mommy. They're, they're, they're going to die. I need help. And they're like, just keep on the phone. And all of a sudden, guess who shows up at the door? <laughs> well, that's, that's the next one that'll show up. The first one that's going to show up is, uh, is your local police are going to be there, or as in the case of Union Grove, the sheriff's office, because there is no police department here. They're going to show up at the door. Now, they don't qualify with the child. Well, we are a Christian. Yeah, we're a Christian family, and they don't care if you're Christian, non-Christian, or Muslim, or Seventh-day Adventist, or whatever you do. They're not interested in what religion you are. They're like, oh, okay, that's a good Christian family. We're not going to go to that home. No, they're going to show up at your home. And then they're going to walk in, and they're going to look at the two individuals. And it's like, do I see a little, little mark right there? Yeah, that's where I hit the wall when he pushed me down. Sir, did you do that? Don't matter if you did it. That's all I need to see is that little mark right there, just a little red mark, a little bruise, a little blood maybe. Um, turn around, sir, put your hands behind your back. Automatic go-to-jail card. Sir. I see a severe lump on the side of your head. Did your wife do that, or did your significant other do that? Yes. Ma'am, turn around. Put your hands behind your back. Mandatory arrest in Wisconsin. Now you say, well, why do you say that? There's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man or woman, but uh, God will help you through it. But here's the thing. It's like, when you realize that there's serious consequences for this type of behavior, 
Not only should the gospel hopefully keep you from ever doing it, but folks, there's times when God's people get out of sorts too. And it's like when you're thinking in your back head, not only am I going to be displeasing God, not only am I going to be scaring the fire out of my children, but I could end up in jail. And if you get caught, you will go to jail. Now, district attorney, most liberal district attorneys will say, yeah, okay, you didn't mean to go home. But you end up going to jail. Is that a good thing? Of course not. All right? And, and that's what's going to happen. So uh, you say, well, why do you bring all that up? It's just a warning. It's a friendly warning that, listen, if you get out of sorts, and by the way, do God's people get out of sorts? Do God's people get out of sorts? They can't. All right? I mean, you didn't lose the old sin nature when you got saved. It's still there. Now, it can be tempered. We have the Holy Spirit who hopefully will help us to get through those difficult issues, but sometimes they slip up. Folks, I've visited Christians in jail. I've... Uh, when I was with the agency, I've seen Christians in jail. So it's just a, it's like when you think about that, it's like if that's an incentive to keep you from doing wrong, let's go for it. One in four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence, intimate partner contact, sexual violence, and or intimate partner stalking with impacts such as injury, fearfulness, post-traumatic stress disorder, use of victim services, contraction of sexually transmitted diseases, etc. Now, we're being fairly blunt in here. We all are, uh, at least of the teenage years, there's nothing here that uh, they shouldn't be aware of or uh, hopefully know about. One in three women and one in four men have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner. This includes a range of behaviors, slapping, shoving, pushing, and in some cases might not be considered domestic violence. But again, any kind of... Uh, uh, a mark, any kind of a physical uh, aggressive move, that's all part of domestic violence. And by the way, most domestic violence is not violence. It's usually uh, um, verbal assaults, uh, demeaning assaults, screaming, yelling, all that type of things. And, and by the way, folks, well, um, think about it. If you, if you had parents or whoever you lived with, if you were adopted or maybe uh, foster, remember back when you were a kid, and hopefully you didn't go through this, but I know many, many people have. How did you feel when mom and dad got into a fight? And it just might have been verbal, screaming at each other. How did you feel? Did you want to crawl, crawl in a hole? Did you want to hide? Did you want to cry? Did you want to beg them to stop but were scared to do it? And these are huge things. Now, you talk about keeping it real, folks. This is keeping it real and are, are things we need to guard against, which we'll get to in the Scriptures in a moment. All right, let's, uh, because of time, let's jump down to the next major part, about two-thirds down your page. Road rage statistics. Now, folks, I, and you know this, and it happens to, I, you cannot get in your car today or your truck or whatever you drive without somebody doing something that's going to take you off. It's going to, every time I'm in the car, I wish I had my squad car back. It happened, uh, 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 I doubt of ECY recording a radio show on Thursday. Getting off of 41 South up in Milwaukee, many of you don't know where that is because you all live down here in the south part, but uh, coming down uh, out of the inner city, getting on the expressway to go uh, west towards my home, right behind me, black pickup truck, uh, big old diesel, made some really good noise when he, when he stood on it. I'm doing uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm merging. I'm not going, I mean, I'm a little bit over the speed limit merging. I see this guy come up behind me, Mach 1 speed. I got to get into the next lane, my flicker's on, and I start moving over, and he's trying to pass, he's going to try and pass me because he's in a major hurry, right? You've been there, done that. So he starts laying on the horn, you know, he starts wiggling the car. It's like, I, you know, I, I put my hands up, like, I got to get over, brother. And, uh, of course, he zipped around me about, doing probably about 85, 90 miles an hour as he zipped down the expressway. And, of course, those good Milwaukee County cops weren't out there. Uh, where's those cops when you need them? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and you run into this constantly. People that are, I mean, they fly up on you. They sit on your bumper. It's so annoying. And what happens? Well, unlike me, here's what I do, and I've told you this before. When I'm ticked off at the guy behind me and I don't like what they're doing, what do I do? I pull over to the side, let them pass, go your way. I don't want an altercation. Um, and I do drive a black Suburban, so half the times they think I'm a cop, and all of a sudden they stop <laughs> acting stupid. But anyway, that's beside the point. All right, so road rage statistics in 2019. 82% of people admitting admitted to committing an act of road rage in the past year. Now, that's not you were affected by it. The 82% said, yeah, I've done it. I get ticked off at people. A total of 12,610 injuries and 200 murders have been attributed to road rage over a seven-year period in the United States, according to Safe Motorists. 66% of traffic fatalities are caused by aggressive driving. Road rage has been responsible for about 300 deaths since 2013, according to the National, what is that? NHTSA, it's the National Something Transportation Association. What is it? Highway. highway, that's it. National Highway uh, Transportation Safety Association. I should know that. I used to work with it. Over a seven-year time period, more than 200 murders, 12,000 injuries were attributed to road rage from the American Automobile Association. 30 murders annually are linked to road rage, and that will be, and again, you see the, the little bit of variance in the numbers. It's based on what group was collecting them. 50% of drivers respond to the careless acts of other drivers with aggressive behavior. It's like, okay, buddy, you're going to do that game on. Yesterday, I, it's just every day I can get a new illustration. So I see behind me, there's this uh, little car. And there's another car behind him. And I'm watching this in my rearview mirror. They're, they're behind me. And I didn't know if they knew each other or, or if it was basically somebody getting ready to, to road rage. So I'm watching this little car in front of the other guy. And he's doing one of these numbers. You know, just he's flip-flopping back and forth like, yeah, you think you're going to get in front of me or you think you're going to pass me or you don't like what I'm doing. And I'm watching the guy. He's in, in that little car. He's lifting his arms. He's doing all this kind of stuff. He's hanging out the window. And I'm like, oh, boy. So they're coming up on uh, Valerie's in the car with me, and I see this happening. I'm like, well, he's either kidding or this isn't good. So there's, what I did was it's like I don't want to get involved with this because they're flipping up on me pretty quick. So uh, fortunately on 45, there's a little turnoff into the dump area, so I, I pulled over, let them pass me. Now remember, what do I drive? A black Suburban. Looks like a cop car. Looks like a G-Man car. My squad used to be a black suburban, so that's why I got one. I like it. Anyway, plus it's a, it's a good decoy. <laughs> so they passed me. That guy went 45 miles an hour, never moved a centimeter out of the way the rest of the trip. But what happens? 
You see this, you get aggravated, and it's game on. Now, you know the first, and I'm saying this on purpose for your safety, the first thing that happened, let's go back to that black pickup that came ramming up on me and uh, ends up going 80, 90 to pass me and zips down the road. What is the first thing that you think popped into my head when I see this kind of nonsense happening down in the inner city? What's, what pops into my head? Huh? Yeah. Huh? Killing, shooting. Say what? Yeah, okay, get the license number. I'm more worried about one thing at that moment. I'm worried about the guy pulling a gun out and shooting my head off. And that's what you need to worry about, too. You say, why? Because, and this is why we have all these murders. It's because he can't do that to me. (laughs) You know, the jails and the prisons are filled with people who don't really care what you think. And they're not there because they're smart. Right? They got caught. So every time you get in a situation like that, for your own safety, and and I'm dead serious about this, dead serious, when you get ticked off, when you're mad, when it's like, oh, game on, buddy, let's play, you may be playing to your own demise. Okay? So I'm just, it's just a, a fair warning to be careful. These guys do not care about killing you. They just don't. All right, let's move on. 94% of traffic accidents are caused by driver error. Okay, well, that doesn't really play into road rage, but here's how it does. Somebody makes an honest mistake. So you're on, how many times has this happened? It's either you or the person in front of you are on their cell phone. And it's like, oh, yeah, I gotta, I'm, I'm at the light, so of course I wouldn't text when I'm driving, but I'm at a traffic light. It's okay. Well, not really, but go for it. Anyway, so you're texting, and all of a sudden you hear what? Beep. Like, it was a half a second ago, the light changed. What's your problem? And all of a sudden, you're like, how dare they beat their horn at me? This was an important text, right? Now they don't really care. Uh, I'll be honest, I've sat at the light, and the light changes green, and I know they're texting in front of me. And I'll give them a few seconds because I'm also thinking, you know, and I try to see who it is based on, profiling, is that a person likely to pull, turn around and shoot me? You say, are you that paranoid? Yeah, I am. You live in law enforcement for 32 years, you get a little paranoid. No, actually, I don't like calling it paranoia. I like calling it smart living. All right. Those are the issues. Let's look at a couple other things, and then we'll get to the Scripture in a couple minutes. Human wrath. Here's a little good commentary piece. Wrath, when used of man, is the exhibition of an enraged, sinful nature and is therefore always inexcusable. And it gives a ton of references here, and we'll get to some. It is for this reason that man is forbidden to follow anger to display itself in his life. He is not to give place unto wrath, nor must he allow the sun to go down upon his wrath. He must not be angry with his brother, but seek agreement with him, lest the judgment that will necessarily fall upon the wrathful be meted out to him. Particularly is the manifestation of an angry spirit prohibited in the training and bringing up of a family. Anger at all times is prohibited. Now, I know right now some of you are saying, I don't agree with that statement. 
Now, I did not write it. I took it out of a good commentary, but let's go to the next one, and then we'll see get to the scriptural answers to this. Righteous and unrighteous anger. That's the big question. And of course, if we're a Christian, we're going to determine this was righteous anger when I get angry. Well, let's see what the scriptures say. There's a sense, however, in which anger is the duty of man. He is to hate what? Hate evil. It is not enough that God's people should love righteousness. They must also be angry with sin, not the what? Not the sinner. Hmm. A man who is incapable of being angry at sin is at the same time thereby adjudged to be incapable of having a real love for righteousness. So there's a sense in which a man may be said to be angry and sin not. Anger at the sin and unrighteousness of men, and because their sin is grievous to God, may be called a righteous indignation. Such an indignation is attributed to Jesus when it is said that he looked round about on them with anger, being grieved at the hardening of their heart. When anger arises because of this condition, it is sinless. But when anger arises because of wounded or aggrieved personality or feelings, it is sinful and punishable. Anger, while very likely to become sinful, is not really sinful in itself. All right, so you're like, well, boy, that's a little bit of mental gymnastics here to try and figure this out. And when is it right to be mad about something? When should I be able to say, listen, this is dead wrong. We need to stand up for this. By the way, if you go through the New Testament, I would really like you to find one instance of where God sanctioned anyone to punch somebody out or to take physical violence against someone that you got ticked off with. You're going to look a long time. You're going to do painstakingly go through the 27 books of the Bible, and you know what you're going to find? Goose egg, nothing. You say, well, wait a minute. How about when Jesus entered the temple? <laughs> he, I'll tell you what he did. Old Jesus said, listen, enough of this nonsense. We're going to overturn the changers on the money table. Uh, we're going to let the animals out. He's going to raise a little fit about what's taking place there. What violence took place against a human being? Well, he sure took a stand. He did take a stand. Do you have a right to take a stand against sin? Of course you do. But when is enough enough. All right, let's take a look at a few verses, and you say, oh man, you know, just stick with us here. Again, by the way, this is Union Grove Baptist Church. Outside of things that uh, are, are worth dying for, I encourage you to think through these things. You say, well, Brother Rich said this, and they're, no, Brother Rich is not Scripture. I present Scripture, I present the issues, but you've got to make your, your mind up yourself, okay? So never think that uh, it's like, well, this is a dogmatic. Some of it is dogmatic, yes. Some things I say are definitely dogmatic, but again, do you have a free will? Do you guys still have a free will? Yes. Yeah, I mean, Brother Rich is not, uh, he's not God. So when we look at these things, I bring up the issues, I want you to think about them because, folks, some of these are extremely dangerous things that we run into and can cause a whole lot of problems. All right, Galatians 5. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Now, when we're talking about the flesh, are we talking about uh, a person who's walking with God, doing right, and is living for the Lord? 
When we're talking about the flesh, we're talking about being carnal. We're talking about the old nature. We're talking about things that God does not want us to take part in. So the works of the flesh are evident, which are, and he goes through a bunch of sins here, adultery, not for Christians, fornication, which is any kind of immorality. Uh, it's a blanket term. Uncleanness, lewdness, all referring to uh, intimate sins. Idolatry, sorcery. Now what's the next one? Hatred. Oh, boy. I mean, you get riled up. Uh, you hate something. Uh, contentions. In other words, you're, you're, at, you're at war with somebody. It's a contention. You're not happy about it. You're going to fight for it. Uh, it's a work of the... Does this say this is part of righteous living? Is this righteous indignation? No, God says it, it is for what it is. It's a work of the flesh. Hatred, contentions. And here's where a, a good portion of all conflicts come from. Jealousy. I can't believe they got that. I should have been the next one in line to get that job. I can't believe that they got so much money in the bank. I can't believe that they got that new boat. I can't believe they bought that new car. I can't believe they got that big home. I, and it's jealous, and, and that stinky little jealousy demon, if you will, uh, rears its head, causes folks to, to get out of sorts. Outbursts of wrath. Now, you don't see that taking place at Unigrove Baptist Church. You don't have outbursts of wrath here. You know where the outbursts of wrath happen? <laughs> Behind closed doors where nobody sees it, or hopefully they don't see it, and hopefully the neighbors don't hear it, right? That's when outbursts of wrath happen. Is it a biblical thing to do? Of course not. It's a work of the flesh. Outbursts of wrath. Selfish ambitions. It's all about me. Every, the world revolves around me. Folks, that's a hard thing not to fall into Philippians chapter 2, the kenosis passage. Every time I counsel, Philippians chapter 2, humble yourselves, put others before yourself. It's the flesh. Uh, what else does he go through? Selfish ambitions, dissension, heresies, envy, murders. It's like, oh, come on now. This is the 2022. People don't murder anybody. No, they usually don't murder anybody in the church, Okay. I mean, that's a rarity when it gets that severe in a Christian family that somebody actually ends up dead. Does it happen? Unfortunately, at times it does. But folks, all you got to do, and we just went through it, the amount of murders that are taking place, the amount of hatred and violence and horrible things taking place is going off the charts. And again, here's a verse that you should memorize because, boy, we're watching it take place. And I referred to it this morning in the message. 2 Timothy 3.1, 2 Timothy 3.1. Know that in the last days, the last days of the church, not the last days of the tribulation or the millennium or anything else. In the last days, the Apostle Paul is addressing the church. I'm actually in the book I'm writing right now on globalism, and many of you know Dr. Andy Woods. I quote him about this, and he's got a real good paragraph that I use regarding that this absolutely, 2 Timothy 3.1, is referring to what's taking place today. Know that in the latter days, the latter days of the church, don't be surprised when you see the murder rates increasing, the violence increasing, the horrible things increasing. Why? Because God says it's going to get worse and worse before Jesus Christ comes back. Now, could he come back today? Absolutely. Could he hasten his coming? That's totally up to the Lord, but we're there. Okay, let's finish this verse out. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice, now get the word practice, 
practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What is God saying? Listen, if people are steeped in this type of behavior, they're steeped in this sin, these are not God's people. Their works are testifying basically what he's saying to their lack of belief in Christ. But what Jesus is saying here is if you're a true Christian, these are things you should not be practicing. They're fleshly, they're carnal. They're not for God's people. All right? Uh, let's go to the next one. A couple minutes yet. Ephesians 4. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were what? Sealed for the day of redemption. Okay, we're talking about eternal security here. Now here's his admonition. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor. Wait a minute. Bitterness? Wrath? I mean, it's all the same subject matter. Are you bitter against someone? Do you have wrath against somebody? Are you anger, angry with somebody? Are you clamoring against somebody? Are you evil speaking against somebody? God says, put that away from you. Here's the sin of the Christian. Gossip, slander. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. <laughs> oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Uh, how about that, uh, you've seen the three monkeys, right, or four, whatever it is. Uh, hear no evil, see no evil, talk no evil, all that good stuff. And uh, it's a good thing we should put that up for a, a lesson one of these days. Preach on uh, see no evil, hear no evil, talk no evil. And uh, uh, folks, uh, we'd fill the altar up with that message. Because it's the sin of the Christian. We love to criticize other people. We love to gossip. We love to backbite. We love to slander. Horrible thing. And God says, don't do it, Christian. But what? Be kind to one another. Oh, man, not that again. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Talk about conviction, right? Do you love every person just like Christ loved you. Before you got saved, remember what you were? Now, some of you got saved young. Some of you got saved a lot older in life. You were a problem. You, uh, you didn't live a very good life, and God saved you, and he changed you, and you thank God for that. And, and God says, listen, uh, 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 can you forgive others like God forgave you? Can you love them like God loves you? Can you, can, you, can you try to find the good in folks? Don't make stuff up, but listen, everybody's got something good about them. You say, well, i got to really look hard for this person. Well, then look hard. <laughs> Everybody's got a redeeming quality. Every single person has value. God loves every single one of God's people. And he's saying, listen, the old flesh says, ah, man, I'm going to slander, I'm going to backbite, I'm going to rip that person apart. And, folks, we're good at it. Christians are good at it. We don't go out and commit adultery. We don't go out and murder. We don't rob. We don't pillage. So we've got to have something fun to do. So what do we do? We talk about other people. And we enjoy it, and we listen to it, and we encourage it. And God says, shh, if you don't have something good to say about something, what did your mom tell you to do? Don't say anything. All right, one more and we're done. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. But know you yourselves are to put off all these, same concept, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, all sins of the what? Tongue. Final one, 2 Corinthians 12. Again, do not think that we excuse ourselves to you. We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, beloved, for your edification. Let me zip this up here. There we go. 
Oops, sorry about that. Again, do you think that we excuse ourselves? You, we speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, beloved, for your edification. In other words, for your good, for your help. For I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish. Lest there be, he's saying, listen, when I come and I'm, I'm guest speaking at your church, Paul says, you don't want me to figure this stuff out. I don't want, uh, you don't want me to know about contentions and jealousies and outbursts of wrath and selfish ambitions and backbitings and whisperings, conceits and tumults. Lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you and I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, fornication and lewdness which they have practiced. Folks, is this easy stuff? This is the most toe hardening message. This is the one where you want to have steel to toe steel toed shoes. Why? Because we can we can preach on adultery and, and uh, murder and robbery and stealing till the cows come home and everybody's gonna be saying what? Preach it, preacher! Amen, brother, let's go for it. Now we talk on the sins of the heart, of which we all, all, you say, does that include you, Pastor Rich? All are subject to do. So what's the answer? Would you walk with God? Would you not grieve the Holy Spirit? Would you ask Him to help you? Every time you're tempted to say something to hurt someone else, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me is the biggest lie that's ever been given to man. The things that hurt more than anything else is not somebody punching you in the nose. That heals in a few days. What hurts is when somebody says something and rips up someone else, and it lasts for a lifetime. Think about that. Father, thank you for the time we've had. Lord, this is tough stuff. It's hard stuff. Every one of us uh, is prone to do these very things, to get angry, to flare up, to scream and yell at someone that we probably even love, yet we lose our temper, we lose our control, we say things we wish we wouldn't have. Father, would you help us, Lord, to walk with you? Help us to guard our hearts, guard our tongues, and Lord, we'll give you the praise and the glory. And all God's people,